we are back with another episode of the District 3 Podcast. Everybody, I am Manny. Uh, thank you so much for listening in. If you're listening on the podcast or on the radio, we appreciate you guys uh, joining in. We've got a special episode today. I am joined today by Daisy Bonilla. Daisy, welcome to the studio. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Manny. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, pleasure to finally meet you in person. I know we just kind of met over (laughs) Zoom and, you know, during this whole uh, quarantine meeting, um, the way everybody's been doing right now. isn't that such a weird thing? I feel like I've I've almost met more people yes, through like agreed. during this pandemic than I have like my whole life. It's changed the way we socialize and I yeah. think now because we're tr- we're trying to be creative, we do have more access to people, you know, from a wider network. So I've met yeah. people like um I do some trainings and I've met people from across the ocean and it's it's really interesting. Yeah, I I think I've definitely um people that I think I would have never uh, had an opportunity to talk over the phone with or something uh, they've been more open to, to like just let's just do a conference call instead of like trying to set up a coffee at who knows when like where we both have to drive 30 miles out of the way so I kind of that's one thing where I'm like you know I'm I'm okay with a little social distance as long as the technology is that. I think it'll be interesting once this is all said and done and yeah. who knows how long that will be because I find myself also like, well, I'll just Zoom you. Like, I could have, that could have probably just been a, a phone call, but I, w- I would rather Zoom. just used to that groove and seeing people, maybe that lack of being able to physically be connected with people. Yeah. I want to see your face, so I'm okay with doing all the Zooms. Right, yeah. Now, as long as, like, you have some kind, because we speak with so much body language, right? Even now, like, you yes, and me, are, yes. we're doing yeah, all I the hand. <laughs> um, so I, I think I do appreciate still the video calling but um i'm also like a very social person i want to be around people um so like i've been kind of hurt i don't know about you how do you are you like uh uh well i am an essential worker i am a healthcare worker i'm a therapist and so i have actually been seeing most of my patients face to face and so we are taking all the necessary precautions at work and so yes and no at a clinic or home visits? No, clinic. Clinic. Cl- well, yeah. we're private practice, but we're um, an agency, and so. Yeah, yeah. So my sister, she's a speech therapist, and that was one thing that she, ha- it, it took her a lot of getting used to, is that, you know, she had a clinic where she did all her work, and then she just, she started doing teletherapy, and then she started doing home visits, and none of them really, like, compared to yeah, having that clinic. Bless her, because that, yeah. that's hard. I yeah. have some of my coworkers that with the littles, you just can't do therapy mm-hmm. over telehealth with five-year-olds, four-year-olds, six-year-olds. It's not the same thing. And We're so, feeling for you, all the social yeah, workers out right there. Yeah, right now, it's just, at least mine, there's just a lot going on with this pandemic, and a lot of people are in crises, and so it's just not an option for some of them to do telehealth. So a lot of people I've been seeing face-to-face. Yeah. Well, um, Daisy, part of the, I guess, the main reason um, we wanted to get you on here, because obviously we, we do a lot of talking about the community, what we have going on, but we also have a political aspect to mm-hmm. our show, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and you are running for office in yeah. Bentonville. What, what's the district? 93. 93. Um, what, what part of Beeville is that? It is really downtown Bentonville, and it's slivers of like Rogers, Little Flock, Cave Springs, and Centerton, but it's... Bentonville. Smack dab Bentonville, yeah. huh? Mm-hmm. Um, and how long have you been around in that area? 
oh man, my family and I moved there in 2006. Uh-huh. I am, I, I travel a lot and so I've, I've been in and out. So I think the first time I came and really had like permanent roots in, in Bentonville uh, was in 2008. And then I came, I left and came back and then uh, 2013 left and came back again in 2017. Yeah. So, where are you from originally? Originally born and raised in California, okay. uh, specifically what part? Silmar from the San Fernando Valley. Okay. Uh, and then I went to, uh, <laughs> I did my undergrad in Riverside. Yeah. One thing that we always laugh about on this show is that we have so many Californians. It's crazy. Yeah. It's really nuts. Uh, Irvin's from. I, everybody who listens to the show is like tired of us talking about it. But Irvin's from Salinas. I'm from Long Beach. Oh, that's amazing. So, and then like it always seems like we always have a guest that was born Somewhere, in California. Yeah. Um, at some point so it's just like you know all of us Latinos for some reason we have a Californian mm-hmm. route either Texas or, or California but that's just the route you know that are that the generation before us took um, and that was one thing we talked about in the previous episode is is that kind of uh, you know we got used to traveling like our parents had that that experience of immigrating countries mm-hmm. but then we always immigrate you know within states um, so are, are there any other places that you've lived or? Yes, I've lived in New York for about two years when I did my, uh, I did my grad school at NYU and so I was in New York for a okay. while. And uh, do you ever miss it? A lot. Yeah. A lot, I do. <laughs> but, you know, I, I think back in my trajectory and Arkansas has been home for such a long time. It, mm-hmm. I, I've moved, you know, and people say, when I tell people, oh, where's home? Arkansas. Yeah. Arkansas? why Arkansas? I'm like, well, have you been there? Why not? Like, yeah. you, you need to go there in order to experience it. It, it. We're just, we're a bubble and it's so beautiful and there are so many opportunities here and all the people that come and make this such a phenomenal environment. Right. But people don't understand it if they're not from here or they're not, they don't live here. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's definitely such a, it's so unique. I mean, especially different from the rest of Arkansas, right? Our yes. little bubble here mm-hmm. in, in, in the Northwest. Um, and you and you just you do grow addicted to this like small town kind of lifestyle it's not small town but at the same time it's not big city um what are the things that you miss about new york uh the hustle and bustle yeah i i I don't know i'm a very active person and so i really like uh, just that you can you know be at the un one minute and then the next minute you're in chinatown and it just very yeah. different vibes and they're so accessible and what I don't miss is having to do my laundry and grocery shopping and in the subway up and down the stairs multiple flights to my apartment in the rain or in the snow. yeah don't yeah. miss that the cold right yeah don't miss yeah that. it's a different type of cold up mm-hmm. there that's like the cold that eats at you having a car <laughs> is such such a luxury that uh-huh. you don't re- realize what a luxury it is until you don't have that option <laughs> until you gotta take the metro yes. everywhere how do you feel about the subway system in new york i really like it yeah. i don't know it's uh you know there is a lack of privacy mm-hmm. i remember uh you know when you're in rush hour traffic and you were packed in like sardines and touching everybody i mean pandemic not not, not having the pandemic in place um but then i have this just very vivid moment of this toddler she must not have been older than two screaming her lungs out and she's just crying and she's so upset and mom's trying so hard to quiet her down Mm -hmm. like and people are looking and probably judging and like 
don't judge her like that would happen anywhere in a car in the privacy of your own car and you wouldn't mm -hmm. even notice but because we're in public transit we have to share the space right but you know having that option just to like be around people but at the same time just a, a place that has mass movement like mm -hmm. that um I, I just wish like everywhere had it like i just think of like what if i had a, a just a, a speed track to Tulsa because my younger brother lives in Tulsa okay that's where he works and lives and I'm just like you know I, I don't want to drive two hours if I had like a train that could take me <laughs> in 45 that'd be so cool mm -hmm. um maybe one day maybe one day hopefully soon. yeah hopefully soon yeah um so tell me ab about the work you do I mean sure. you told us it, therapy what what kind of therapy is it mental health therapy uh -huh. and so I one of my specialties I, I feel like I have various ones but my favorite ones are trauma, trauma focus, anything mm. doing to drama, sexual assault, um, human trafficking, uh, intergenerational trauma, uh, what you have, what you name it. I'm fascinated with trauma because it's such a complicated diagnosis and unless you're really aware of it, you may not realize that certain life experiences are traumatic and how you still carry those um, memories with you. Yeah. And so being able to help people heal from that, um, that's my favorite thing to do. Yeah. And so it, besides trauma, I would think right after that would be families and couples. Uh, most therapists, if you talk to them, do not like doing couples. Uh, they, really? It's not something most therapists like. I love it. I, I truly love it. It's something about uh, partners trusting you enough to allow you into their most intimate difficulties mm -hmm. and helping them find a way back to one another. I don't know. I, okay. I truly love it. So you do therapy to like help, like the couple therapy, that's to help them figure out how to stay to, together? That's up to them. Oh, that's interesting. Up to them. If they want to stay together, if they want to find a way to amicably separate if they're trying to tell the kids how to do that yeah. it comes in a you know various I was listening to a way. podcast the other day that was like there was a divorce therapist on with Oprah I think mm -hmm. and uh he was helping them like split up and you know coming to terms with hey this is what I like about a relationship but this is why I want to let go and there's a lot of like okay I'm saying goodbye to this and just like the emotion that comes out in those things is intense. Separations are hard. Yeah. And I think, I, and I can't help but see the correlation, but I think that's what makes me so good at conflict resolution. Uh -huh. uh, because you have to hear both sides. You know, I can't ever side with one, really uh, make one feel alienated against the other. I, I'm there as their, as part of their team. And whatever their goal is, that's what we're there to meet. Yeah. And so we need to figure out, maybe we hate each other. We can't stand to be near one another, but we have to figure out how to co-parent. That's not easy. Yeah. And because we are now figuring out what rules we're each going to have and what rules we want both of we want our kids to know that we even though we may have separate rules or which ones are we not going to agree on which ones are we going to differ on that they still have both of us right so it, it, it's complicated but it's also fascinating yeah the human beings are fascinating the psychology so human us, behavior huh? is my jam yeah, we're we're all weird. So yeah, there's we plenty to <laughs> there's plenty to get into there. Um, so how long have you been doing therapy? Ooh, therapy per se. I think I started. It, it's been on and off. So gosh, 2017. Yeah. 2017 is I think when I uh, started, and then I've done um, case management, advocacy. Uh, it just social work is such a 
a big umbrella yeah. of what you can do, the, the scope of it. Uh, but strictly mental health therapies, again, I think I started back up in February of this year. Okay. So in and out, about well, three years. It is a spectrum. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, there's plenty plenty of work to do. So tell me, tell me about your race. Tell me why... Sure. Uh, why why try to run for a, a state representative now um, when clearly you're like still like very much in love with this with this uh, therapy career uh, my clients yeah they're the reason I'm running because I did go to grad well let me backtrack when I was here in 2015 I was working at a child advocacy center and working with kiddos who have been abused and working with their families. I was a bilingual advocate, so particularly working with the Latinx community, helping them, you know, overcome that fear, bridge that gap with law enforcement. You know, we're here to help. It doesn't matter if you're not documented. What we want is to be able to, uh, to protect your child, get some justice. Uh, and that, that was my role, helping, you know, families understand we're here to help and what's the best way that we can address this. So during my time there, it was really disheartening when we would put in such good work to get a case put together, you know, prosecuting attorneys, law enforcement, uh, uh, APS, we were all working together and we would get to court and the case would either get thrown out because we didn't have enough evidence, quote unquote, mm. or just the laws are too lax on perpetrators. And so I was getting really frustrated. I'm like, we're doing so much work. We invest so much of ourselves into this work. It's really difficult hearing a child tell you whether they've been raped or hurt by someone they loved and trusted and we are not getting any justice. How do we fix this? Like we keep coming against these walls. And my team was like, policy. Like, okay, tell me more, because I don't understand what that means. Yeah. And they're like, you're gonna have to go uh, get your master's in social work, focus on policy, because that's going to give you a better understanding of how we need to frame policies to help our clients better. Because what we've seen in, I mean, across the board, is that public, you know, servants are helping in the community but our hands are tied to, to a certain extent because policies dictate how much help we can offer. Yeah. Uh, so I think the turning point for me was, uh, and then this story goes into to various sectors, but uh, I had a, she was 15, year old, 15 years old, Latinx client uh, who had been raped by her church coach, church mentor, uh, and ended up pregnant. And mom didn't speak a lick of English. And she asked me, you know, during this whole ordeal, will you accompany us to Little Rock? Because we can't share this story with anybody else. And we, we called, no one there spoke English. Uh, they also had a hard time figuring out how they were gonna get there. And so that was another moment that I'm like, why do we have to travel so far to get this kiddo help? And then we have health centers and they're inaccessible to certain communities. And so things like that. And just throughout my work, uh, you know, I have tons of stories like that that I could tell you. That was really it. And in this particular time, uh, last year, I had been thinking about running for a smaller seat. Uh, and then come to find out that, you know, we just, we really need more representation. We need more diverse voices at the table making our issues known for our communities 
and if we don't diversify our legislature we are not going to be able to do that we, uh, there are so many voices being left behind or going unheard or being marginalized I, I think we need more different professions that can help highlight these needs and so that was it it's my clients I, I was thinking for something smaller but then we need a Latinx representative. Yeah, I, I mean, I think you're totally right. We've never had one in Arkansas. Which is crazy. Which is, I mean, yeah, especially here in Northwest Arkansas with the amount of, of Latinx folks that we have um, and all those essential workers doing all that amazing work and nobody representing, nobody fighting for them. And we see the, the issues of it. I mean, you talk about the mental health and the therapy aspect to it, and now it's the, the public health with mm-hmm. the pandemic. Obviously, it perpetuates all these, all these issues that we've seen for forever, right? That we knew about, but now it's yes. becoming more obvious to mm-hmm. the public um, where, you know, uh, our community doesn't always trust the government um, and that causes pub- public health issues all over the place. And vice versa, you know, the, the, the government doesn't always do everything they can to, yes. to reach the people. And that's why representation is so important, right? Um, and that's why I'm so happy that you're running because, you. I mean, it's so necessary. Um, and especially Latina because, you know, that's, that's a, a special yes. aspect to it. Yes. Um, you know, because I, I think Latinas are kind of the, they're the real uh, foundation of all <laughs> Hispanic homes. Um, so it's it's so interesting that intersectionality of of policy and social work mm-hmm. and i and i end up finding that with a lot of social worker friends is that you know they have to end up almost like learning a bunch of law because you know it it's so tied into what they're it trying is. to do mm-hmm. um regardless of the aspect you know we we have a lot of friends on uh of Catholic charities that do immigration help, yep. right? And yep. that's the same issue um, that they always run into is that as they're trying to help people, um, it's always the the state's laws that seem to be the barrier. Mm-hmm. Um, what are what are some of the things that you for sure want to change if you're able to um, be elected? Gosh, I love that question. I think there are so many things that we need uh, to improve on. Yeah. Agreed. Uh, right? We have so much work to do. And if given the opportunity, and I mean, I, once you get there and you know, you're building those relationships, because I think that's at the core of why we are such a, at a standstill in our country. We can't agree on anything, so then nothing gets done. And so how do we build these relationships so that we can reach across the aisle and meet in the middle? Uh, so that we can improve things for everyone in the community because I think at least in, in my district that's that's my at the core that there are there are we are a blessed district but there are people being left behind yeah and we can we cannot say that we are successful unless everyone is successful right and so that that's my that's my goal and so one of the things that I you know heard from you know um, voters is that, that I would like to propose would be, or to um, change, would be the hate crime bill that Senator Elliott started about 20 years ago. And there's a special session going on right now that they're going to push forward for it. But what if it doesn't pass? Mm -hmm. That would be first um, on my list. Um, Also, fighting discriminatory practices in this particular district, in this state, we have so many uh, vulnerable communities that are being discriminated against, and that needs to end. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and with that, just on that note, we're going to we're going to take a quick break. So one of the things we wanted to talk about, Daisy, um, because you work uh, in the mental health aspect of mm-hmm. stuff is is kind of the mental health of Latinos 
Um, and that's something that, you know, our community doesn't talk about very yeah. much. Um, how do you feel we are with that, uh, with our relationship with mental health? We're progressing. Yeah. In baby steps, but we're progressing. I think we have generations of stigma to wade through because particularly in the Latinx community, you know, so offhandedly you'll hear a remark, oh, I buy loco. Uh, because if they're super anxious or they're hearing voices automatically you're crazy and that's not necessarily the case uh, or, or if you are taught you know especially in a machista society yeah. to suppress your emotions and you don't know the consequences of what those can lead to I mean studies show that mental health can definitely uh, lead to physical ailments and so and you know people with cancer if they don't process their the mental health aspect of it dies quicker or sooner because they're not processing everything they're going through but if we get to help them if we get to help that aspect of it they have higher chances of overcoming their cancer and so within the latinx community we still have a long ways to go uh, but i do feel like we are educating our community and we are uh, trying to overcome barriers because there are a lot of barriers especially mm -hmm. i would say here um, I think in California, for instance, there is more access for immigrants who are undocumented to have health care or at least be able to access certain uh, facilities. Um, we don't have that here in Arkansas, but we're trying and we're getting there. There, there are ways that um, we can help families. And so I think that there are, there are grants out there. And so we are trying to find a way to bridge that gap because it is very much, uh, especially what we're seeing right now with um, our poultry workers. Yeah. There's a lot of angst, there's a lot of fear, uh, and what we what we know is that people are going to work scared. They don't have an option to stay home. If they're, if they're a single mother and they're the sole breadwinner, even if they get COVID, they are still trying to go to work because employers right now aren't offering a whole lot of support and so it but she's going to work scared uh, anxious uh, fearful um, you know she doesn't want to get her kids sick and where does she process that if not in the mental health space and so I'm thinking about patient and so uh, thankfully I mean I'm able to supply that for her yeah but what about those that can't or don't or don't know that they should yeah so we're working on it but it's still there's still lots to be done there. I mean, yeah, the anxiety and the stress of just like the threat of being sick is enough, but then not having those those resources is just terrifying um, for me. And I, I think like, you know, we had touched on it just a second ago, that, that distrust mm -hmm. that um, our community can have with resources. Um, I think, you know, obviously it's like, there's almost the machista, which for those that don't know what that means, that's that toxic masculinity. Um, that kind of exists within the, the Latinx community. Um, it's it's that like, hey, I'm gonna just tough this out. Mm -hmm. um, and, and it's like, that exists and it prevails. And sometimes it's inspiring within our community. It's that like, I'm gonna keep my head down and just work. But obviously like we know um, it's it's terrible for you um, long-term. And, and you touched on something where, you know, the, the mental health aspect can sometimes become physical you get physical mm -hmm. ailments and I read one time um, you know that racism and oppression yes. causes um, physical ailments can you touch on that a little bit more sure uh, so we do see I mean it's it's possible to have like your um, 
appendix rupture or you know have some type of ailment where if you are living in constant fear or constant angst and you are not if you don't have anyone safe to talk to um, it, it definitely um, develops into something more serious and so that's why we are constantly teaching families mental health is just as important as your physical health as your vision as your teeth you have to take care of your mind yeah i i, I think you know we're with covid with this pandemic um we don't know we're, we talk about the the physical um sickness a lot um but not enough gets said about like mm -hmm. the long-term mental health yep. um ailments that we're going to have due to the stress and the anxiety and the constant pressure that our essential workers like the poultry workers are being um, under um, I, I think more than ever that's even more reason why we need to elect people that'll that are going to put policy with that in mind um, with that idea in mind because you know the the, the policy is going to affect not today but next year in the following term um, if you get elected we'll get you re-elected right and that's the idea um so yeah i mean it's it's just so important that we're able to take on those policies i agree and especially as we're we're preparing to rebuild we're rebuilding our society and so who do we want at the table making decisions so that we it, we have an opportunity here to make sure that as we rebuild that we're taking care of all the um, we've seen how much uh, COVID has exacerbated all the problems that we have specifically here in Arkansas. And so who are we electing to make sure that our voices are heard and that they are taking into account everything that, you know, COVID has brought out. And so, you know, talking about mental health and physical health. Uh, so I used to work in hospice. And so mm. um, something that has been brought up uh, in my district and outside of it is, and we talked about policy, is the nurse to patient ratio. Our healthcare um, places are, overwhelmed right now and so making sure that our uh, essential workers have the supports in place that they need from hospitals to nursing homes we need to make sure that we are looking after them as well yeah um let me ask you how has your mental health been or what have you been doing <laughs> uh, during the pandemic to kind of you know keep yourself healthy uh, my thankfully i have a team who are volunteers who are my friends and they are constantly checking up on me and so yeah. i have some friends who will just make sure are you doing okay are you sleeping have you eaten yet like they're amazing at, and so i try to be very mindful of having self-care moments yeah. because self-care days are hard especially now that we're in july and we're like a hundred and so days away from the election i'm like i will rest november 4th yeah but for right now <laughs> i moments and so just checking in with family members checking in with friends uh it doesn't have i think people have this idea about what self-care is or isn't and it doesn't have to be this monumentous you know i have to go to the mountains and break away from everything <laughs> right. you can literally put a puzzle together yeah you can journal you can go take a walk and listen to your favorite music i have been recently recommending to certain clients that i think can do it um when i have time i like to go run and mm -hmm. put sad music on okay sad music uh, very specifically, specific, specific sad music and okay. i will have the best cry i can yeah and so it works and, and then i feel better <laughs> i feel energized and i'm good to go wow. like if i'm having a really stressful hard overwhelming day 
Look, that's a the double whammy. Thing. Like new you get the run in. Yes. It's both yes. physical and mental health. And emotional. I love Very that. Very emotional. I, I love that. What's your uh, go-to sad music? Go-to. Oh man. Let's see. <laughs> go-to sad music. That's a, that's a tough one, that right? That is a tough, a tough one. Um, maybe not so much sad. Uh-huh. Uh huh. I tend to like gospel. And so anything, Good. you know, that, oh my gosh, that stirs yeah. the heart, oh uh-huh. yeah, I'm all for it right there. Yeah, no, I'll, I'll, uh, that's the same for me. I'm also like, I, I listen to the gospel music. The other day I was listening to a rendition of Wash Us in the Blood, and there was like a, a soloist who was just going in, like giving it, and I was just like, I felt it. I just like, <laughs> I'm in my car and just like sobbing. Um, so I, crying's important. It is and important. that's one thing also in our community. Yes. And just let it out. Everybody cry every now and then. I think that's one thing that my mother taught me. Good uh, for her. Yeah, she, she like just cry. She's a she's the best crier. Oh, that's good. Yeah, she <laughs> cries good. all the time. She cries when she laughs. She cries when she's sad. So I, it's okay to cry, people. Literally teaching people to cry Tear up. is is a thing we do in therapy. Um, why it's okay? Why you don't have to judge yourself for crying? Why it, others are probably not going to judge yourself for crying? And as someone who, as a teenager, thought that crying equaled weakness, uh, it's amazing how often we really are teaching each other, or society, or children that crying is a weakness, and it's not. Crying is just something the body needs in that moment, and the only way it can express it is through tears. Yeah, it's not that big a deal. Yeah. express it feel it move on I'm crying I'm, I, might, I might just go have myself a cry after this is done I think you know um, we need it it's been a long week um, so talk to me a little bit about your campaign I mean how how's everything running I mean obviously it's crazy it's, this is and who would have thought you know crazy, the, yeah. the the most uh, difficult thing um, in a campaign would have been this disease so not me yeah <laughs> I was braced for every other challenge but not pandemic but you know I'm an optimist and I think it's maybe leveled the playing field. Yeah. I do. Now that we, you know, we talked about Zoom, and so now being able to access certain communities online that may have been more difficult to uh, get to in person, now we have uh, easier access to these people. Uh, so the campaign, uh, we are growing day by day. I'm humbled by the people that, uh, that approach me and say, thank you for running. We need more diverse voices at the table. Thank you for fighting for equality and fairness in Bentonville because a lot of people thought or said, no, we're fine. Like, you know, things, things are fine in Bentonville. Like, what are you mm. talking about? I've never heard of, you know, people being discriminated against yeah. and uh, people being left behind. Like, what is that? I'm like, no, it's happening. Just right. because it's not happening to you. Just because you have happy murals getting put up left <laughs> and right, it doesn't mean everything's perfect. You know, you, we have a social responsibility to, to take care of each other. And that's my belief. And so I, you know, as a social worker, you know, working for people, um, I had a really change of mindset. Um, so during my time in New York, I had a fellowship at the New York City Department of Education at the Chancellor's Office. And I have never seen a group of more dedicated public servants than I did in that moment. And prior to that, because I was my focus was policy, remember I left the advocacy center to go pursue policy social work, I was like, I don't know about working in government. Mm. Uh, it's 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 awful like you said there's all this mistrust we know that they uh, cause some of the barriers that we have in our communities 
do I really want to go work for a government agency when really, you know, quite honestly, I think we need to break them down to start over. Yeah. And my mindset completely changed because I went in and these people work so hard, but it takes the collaboration between public servants and community. And so a big gap that I saw was that sometimes we would propose certain things and the community wouldn't show up. They wouldn't give us their thoughts. They wouldn't, you know, propose their questions, but they did show up to the final meetings when we're like, okay, well, here's what we got. You guys didn't help us uh, formulate anything, so here you go. And people were upset. Well, now you have to take this into account and you have to take this into account. And what about this? It's like, but where were you? Yeah. And so we really need to find a way to have people understand government works for us but only if we show up yeah and so that's why it's so important for people to vote and given that you know that we have uh, covid right now absentee ballots are going to be crucial yes. this november because our voices matter and you touched on up uh, on it a little earlier there is apathy and there is i think people are disillusioned with government but we can't just wash our hands off of it. We have to actively participate. And so that's a big part of the campaign. Uh, reaching out to people. Some people get understand politics. Some people don't. I will, I'm will. i very honest about this. I don't feel like I have... Uh, I didn't grow up with you know some people I know who have been talking politics around the dinner table forever. Right. I didn't grow up with that. But, and I, but I'd love to ask Latinx families in particular, why not? because mm. you come from a country where I know that politics exists right. you know how it works so when you come into this country why aren't we teaching our children to be active, active participants Yeah, I would love to have that conversation with just like a town hall uh, because I think you know so much of our I'm thinking millennials, Gen Zers I think we are coming to the notion that understand that we have to be involved mm -hmm. but it wasn't necessarily taught to us so I'd love to ask you know, and this is not just Latinx, all, all communities why are we not actively educating our society to be involved in politics? Yeah. Because politics rules everything. Yeah. And so we need to be active participants in how we want our society to move forward and what changes we want them to make. Yeah. But they won't know unless we participate. That's And that's, I mean, we try to harp on that as much as we can. It's like, just go and vote. You know, this it's your right. Not everybody has the right, you know? And especially in our community, Again, people are going to get tired of us saying mm -hmm, it, mm -hmm. but, you know, your vote carries extra weight um, whenever, yes. and especially, you know, and I think of your work where you're not only voting for yourself, but your work, and then even those children that, you know, need the help. I mean, it, it, there's multiple layers, and, and so, you know, register to vote, mm -hmm. uh, get your absentee ballot, um, and please vote this November. Um, Daisy, you know, if people want to connect with your campaign a little more, where can they go um, to hear a little more about you or find out a little more about you? We are very active on all the social platforms. And so it's Daisy Bonilla 4, literally the number 4, AR on like Twitter and Instagram. Uh, Daisy Bonilla for Arkansas.org is uh, a website. You can sign up there to volunteer or donate. Uh, and then Facebook, same thing, Daisy, for, Daisy Bonilla for Arkansas. Yeah, if you can donate a dollar or something, Please. it goes it goes a long way. I mean, and and I, one thing I always like to tell people is, if you are donating, you're not just donating to a person; you're donating to the movement. Mm -hmm. um, so please, you know, help help with anything that you can. 
Um, well, Daisy, sounds like you're on a mission, and that's what we need. That's what we need on, in our state legislature. That's what we need in our government. So thank you so much um, uh, for joining us, and, and thank you for having this campaign and, and running this election. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. Yeah, all right. Well, guys uh, that's and gals, that's everything we have for uh, this episode. Thank you so much. Um, blessings and peace out.